We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here. The old man, still not here because we're recording a little earlier this week. So he'll be back next week, I'm sure, to recap Jake Paul and everything else and to get into our pro wrestling list, to get into our boxing year-end awards, our MMA awards, all that good stuff to finish out the year. The old man will be here and back on the show. So you guys just don't have to listen to my voice every time you tune in. Uh, this will be the last Kel solo show, but really I'm not solo because I got producer Cole Bebe in the booth helping out as always, chiming in, lending his ear and his voice, and he's keeping me in control so I don't go full human hot take machine on this mic. I, I'm trying, I'm trying, Cole. He's looking at me like like I'm lying here. I'm trying. I, I've, I'm trying to be sensible in my takes. Um, but you Are you that? sure about that? Maybe, a little bit. Maybe I put that on my New Year's resolutions like we talked about last show. Uh, one year I tried. One year I said, no wild hot takes. This is it. It's not going to happen. And I lasted five days into that year before I said something crazy. And I think I made a bet out of it, which I ended up losing. It's like natural heel tries to be face for a second. The crowd doesn't buy it. At all. I go full heel. That's it. That's it. So um, it's just me today. Shout out to Dre. Like I said, he'll be back. Today is a boxing show, so we'll, of course, talk about Lomachenko, his amazing win in MSG last weekend. We'll preview the entire Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley card, as well as talking about Conor Ben um, in Hawaii, who fought uh, Tuesday of this week in Japan. What's next for him? So a ton of boxing stuff to talk about later on in the show and as we go along. But to start the show, I'd be remiss, and I, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I haven't watched it yet. Spider-Man's going to be the talk of the town. It's all about Spider-Man. And I'm coming into this show still blind, no spoilers. I hate the people who spoil stuff. Tons of people went to the premiere in L.A. and all this stuff. Spoilers floating around everywhere. You can't open Twitter or something else without seeing a spoiler for the end credits or something like that. I'm dodging them all. My spider sense is up for Spider-Man spoilers. I can't stand people who spoil things, and I'm a hypocrite because I, 
And shout out to Danny Acosta, Reverse Rat Pack. He hated this. I went and watched, I think, Avengers the day of in the theater. And I didn't give a spoiler, but I'm watching the movie in the movie theater and I'm tweeting about it. Like, I'm tweeting like, man, you know what? This movie's like as good as advertised and all this stuff. And Danny Acosta called me out. He was like, why are you on your phone mid-movie? He's like, you're the worst movie person in the world. And I was like, I felt like the people wanted to know my opinion right then. And, you know, that raw opinion as soon as you see something. So since that day, he ashamed me. And I've tried not to text and watch stuff in the movie theaters. I'm going to break that this weekend. So I give everyone listening to this until Sunday. Sunday, I'm firing off the hot takes. The embargo is lifted on Sunday. You got three days, Thursday night, Friday, Saturday. I'm focusing on boxing. After that, it's on and pop. As soon as Sunday hits, where it's Spider-Man out the entire time on my timeline. I'm not talking about anything else besides Spider-Man on Sunday. I don't care what happens in the Jake Paul fight. My, spy, my Sunday is dedicated towards Spider-Man No Way Home. And that got me thinking. Because, again, haven't watched Spider-Man yet. I have nothing to talk about in terms of the movie. But it has me thinking, this is 2021, so Spider-Man doesn't count. Who has a bigger 2022? Marvel or DC? If you had to put all your money on one to have the bigger year, the better movies, what, is this the year DC catches Marvel? Because I'm looking at the schedule for Marvel, and it looks like we'll only get Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is probably the biggest movie of the year. I think maybe Ant-Man later in the year. But like Doctor Strange is their movie for next year. I don't know how that's going to play out because I haven't watched Spider-Man. I feel like Spider-Man is going to give us a lot to look forward to. And Doctor Strange. I'm not sure Doctor Strange is the character that can really carry a whole year. Like, I, I don't, he's not their flagship or one of their flagship characters to me. I didn't like the first Doctor Strange movie. I will also say that. I thought the first Doctor Strange movie was kind of whack and boring. It's one of probably the bottom five Marvel movies for me. First Captain America, throw in the first two Thors. The Iron Man, what was that? With the fake Mandarin was horrible. And then Doctor Strange. Those are like the worst Marvel movies created in my opinion. So this could be like Captain America when we got to Winter Soldier and Civil War and it made you forget how bad the first Captain America movie was. I'm hoping it, it's like that. Because Doctor Strange, steal a phrase from myself, at the beginning of his podcast, when I was talking about Frankie Edgar, Doctor Strange just doesn't do it for me. I, I can't really buy into Doctor Strange as, like, the lead guy. And then at the same point, DC's coming with the Batman reboot. And Batman is their guy. And Patterson looks the part. Everything they're putting out, the trailers, I'm buying in again. I know we talked about it on a show when the trailer released, like, a couple months ago. Like, man, they're going to get my hopes up. They're going to crush me. DC always lets me down. I'm setting myself up for failure again because I'm all in on the new Batman movie, even though it looks like he's, he might be killing people, which is like anti-Batman, but whatever. 
I'm willing to just wait it out and see how it goes. I am I'm really hyped about the Riddler. Whatever they end up doing with that, it seems like everything's a realistic take. I'm here for that. I'm not not sold on Black Adam. I told everyone that before. I'm not sure about the Flash, but that has some realms, some nostalgia, old Batmans. This might be the year where DC washes Marvel. And I'm not saying going forward, because I have no no faith in the DC, what is that, EU, extended universe, whatever the hell it is. I have no faith in them. But this one year, this one year might be the year where DC gets Marvel. I, Cole, are you a DC guy or a Marvel guy? Between the two, probably, I would say DC at its highest of highs is very good. I, I like Batman a whole lot. I think the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, is by far way better. Movies aside. Not, Movies not aside. Like just, like say, comic book-wise, character-wise. DC or Marvel? Mar- 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 Marvel's Marvel's some of the whole parts, right? You got the, you got the X-Men, you yeah. got Spider-Man. Fantastic Four. I mean, the roster runs deep. If if they're like two basketball teams, right? Like one's got LeBron, that's like DC has like like Batman, right? But Marvel's got just a roster that's just like they're a like bunch Golden of guys. State. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So I don't I, I don't know, but like also sometimes the Marvel Cinematic Universe gets on my nerves. <laughs> but that said, Kel, I think uh, you you have some notable omissions. On your on your Marvel movie list. What else is coming out? Uh, right now, here I'm I'm reading a list, and I, I might be wrong, so you may have to edit this out. All right. But Thor, Love and Thunder. Oh, that's like pegged for like November. Or 20, 2022. Okay. And then Doctor Strange. All right. And currently in the 2022 slate, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. That got pushed back. I think it pushed back. Old okay. girl like wild out on, on set. Okay, so uh, I think Thor. I think Thor was like Thor is probably your your. I would say Thor would be the one that people would be looking most forward to over Doctor Strange. So Thor, you're saying is the Shawn Michaels. Strange is the Janetti. I, I feel like Doctor I, Strange. I mean, I don't hate Doctor the Doctor Strange movies as much as you did. That that the the like the big bad was kind of. Sense. Yeah, like it, it wasn't. It took a while to get there and be cool, but it, it got cool. Plus, I like Benedict Cumberbatch. So. <laughs> it, but, it's one of those things where, to me, a lot of this is a lot of superhero movies. You're only as good as your villain, and the villain was kind of whack. Like Batman and the Dark Knight trilogy was amazing because Christian Bale was a cool Batman, but the villains were incredible. When you have a really good villain, Avengers. Endgame, all that. It was incredible. Thanos was an incredible villain. And they gave him depth and the, and the character worked and the reason behind it. And my favorite part of the Hawkeye series, which I don't like Hawkeye at all as a character either, but when he goes and he's like at the urinal and it says, Thanos was right. And he reads it on the urinal and he like shrugs. It's like, because he was. Like, <laughs> And that's the other part you got to take into account too is the Marvel Cinematic Universe is no longer cinematic exclusively. True. They have the Disney Plus behind it. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't want to get into that cuz then we get into the DC like 
CW shows that people like that I don't watch. There's like Supergirl. Well, and now, now are like, those part of the D the DC ex extended universe? Do that? Does that count? I think that count if we're counting Marvel. I don't. I don't shows. know. I am not one to make that judgment call on the logistics right. of that. I, I do know, like as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they do consider the, show. the television shows yeah. as part of that universe. I mean, I'm not hype off of She-Hulk. Like, I, I don't. I don't care about Miss Marvel necessarily. So I I omitted those because that doesn't help Marvel's case in my opinion, at all. Like, there's no WandaVision on there. You know, even though I didn't know what WandaVision was going to be, I guess, maybe something will shock me. But, I mean, I don't like the Hawkeye series so far. I got an episode and a half into it, and uh, I just started watching New Rockstars instead. Shout out to Eric Voss and New, New Rockstars crew. So I just watched recaps on there because I don't feel like watching the whole episode. So I, I'm using, like, and, cliff notes. And look, DC's comp... DC's coming at you with, with the wrestling one-two punch here, okay, right? We got HBO Max. We got Peacemaker. Okay. Got John Cena. Cena. Right? Black Adam. I'm not hype about Black Adam. I've, I've said that. Like, The Rock can be very cheesy, and this can go really bad. Like, it gives me... Right now, Shazam was cool, right? But I, I had no expectations for that. Now Black Adam has expectations because of how well Shazam was done and how well it was handled. And I feel like The Rock in this role could be real corny. It could be Scorpion King 2.0. Like if it was NXT, NXT 2.0, like we're getting Scorpion King, Scorpion King 2.0 with Black Adam. Like I really believe it could go that direction. So I withhold judgment. And, but if people are hyped, that's why I'm like DC could be in store for a big year. Batman's the key. If Batman's good, I'm not sure Marvel has anything, even with Thor. And Ragnarok was incredible. I'm not sure Marvel has anything for a really, really well done Batman. Like Batman is just, I mean, you got to break out the big guns if you're trying to go head to head with Batman. Again, DC had nothing this year to compete with Spider-Man. Or, I mean, Shang-Chi was good. Like, DC didn't have a movie like that. Suicide Squad was okay. The Snyder's Cut was ridiculous. It was the same movie. Just a little more palatable. If your movie is that long, it's probably not good. That's true. That's, that's the science of producer Cole Bebe. <laughs> I mean, Titanic people will argue against you. But yes, yes, that is usually true. That is usually... Yeah, but Titanic Bebe. wasn't like four and a half hours long. No. You I mean, three the Snyder Cut was, like, comically, hysterically long. I would say this. If the two Avengers movies, the last two, were put together and it was just one, I still would have enjoyed it just the same, probably. I, I don't know, though, because the Thor coming back and having that end, like, in the first one, and Thor ransacking everyone, and then the snap, and then it left you just not knowing... That was incredible. I think, I think also just like the fact that it was like, well, look, we have a bad movie here. You know it's going to make it better? Making it longer. <laughs> Let's go. I'm not sure where that logic falls into place. Still have no clue. Affleck, people love him as Batman. I was like, you can only be so good of a Batman when all of your movies suck. And I like Ben Affleck. It's like an actor. But it's just the truth. Like, how good were you as a Batman if all your movies suck? 
that's the case, I like George Clooney too. But I'm not going to say he's the best Batman ever because Mr. Freeze and like he, he was in the worst Batman movie ever made. So it's one of those things like, no, I can't separate the two. And this Batman, again, it looks really good. It has stiff competition because the Dark Knight series is fresh in my mind. It's so hard to top those and you're just resetting everything at just a rapid pace now. Like we just saw another Batman and then we get another Batman and then we have like three Jokers out there at once. And it's, it's just a lot by DC, but this is their chance to kind of rein it in. I think they also have like the next Aquaman coming out this year, which the first one was horrible as well. Um, Jason Momoa, like women just like seeing him with his shirt off. I get it. But he needs to he needs to hit another level. Right now, Aquaman's like 2015 Roman Reigns. This is his shot. This this is the time to be the head of the table. This is his time to to go out there, get an advocate like Paul Heyman, and be the guy he's supposed to be. If not, it's gonna be a poorly written, cheesy joke, flex my pecs up and down movie. And that's what the first one was. So DC, if they don't get it this year. Not sure they're getting it out. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Lex Luthor. (laughs) My champion, Aquaman. (laughs) Listen, that's also DC has done a lot of bad things lately. Their choice for Lex Luthor was like the worst casting ever. Um, (laughs) that completely wrecked the Superman movies. That's another thing. That's another reason why DC has a chance. Just reminding me, there's no Superman movie. Superman's the worst, worst superhero ever, 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 ever created. He's too powerful. There's no chance of him losing. It's kind of like Hulk Hogan in the late 80s. He's way too powerful. Like, you knew he wasn't going to eat a pin clean. Hogan went almost a decade without eating a clean pin. It was ridiculous. He went to Japan. I think that was the only place he lost for, like, a solid eight years. So, to me, no Superman is a big plus for DC. And I don't know where they go from here with Superman. And the last Batman versus Superman was stupid and corny. The Justice League was super and corny. Like, Superman needs to be left out of it. With that being said, how we usually end these segments, and now I have Cole here because the old man's not here today. And Cole, I'm going to put you on the spot so you can think, Antoine, you can put your head in on this too. Jump over. I'm going to give you guys some time to think about this. You guys got like three minutes, and then you get on the mic, and I'm putting you on the spot. How we always end these things, Mount Rushmore list. And this is where it gets difficult. The Mount Rushmore of comic book heroes. Could be Marvel. Could be DC. I mean, I guess you could put like Jughead on. Like Archie. Like, but then you're just getting into your bag. But I'm thinking Marvel and DC. The Mount Rushmore, to whittle this down, it's harder than pro wrestling for me. Pro wrestling, it kind of sticks out like there's like seven or eight people. You could probably put on a pro wrestling Mount Rushmore, right? The world is your oyster when you're talking about comic books. I have mine written down, so it'll give you guys a good two more minutes to think of yours. And it got to be off the top because it got to be quick and easy. But I'll start with mine. And this shows you I'm a Marvel guy. But this shows exactly why Marvel is better in DC. 
So, number one, and I'm doing this in order. This is the number one seed, and I judge anyone who doesn't have this guy as the number one seed. Wolverine is number one. There's, if Wolverine's not on your Mount Rushmore, I don't trust you at all. Wolverine, greatest comic book character all time. The man could be 800 years old. We don't know how old he is. The backstory is super convoluted. He came in and told Cyclops, yo, move over. Your girl, mine. Just snatched Teen Grey like it was nothing. He ain't know her from nothing. Cyclops was like, yeah, that's my girl. Yeah. He threw his arm over her, and Wolverine just put the shades down. Like, come on. Nah, come over here real quick. He hit him with the Joey. How are you doing? And then she just walked away from Cyclops. She was real confused. And he wore a bright yellow suit. You know, you know how comfortable in your masculinity you got to be to wear yellow, highlighter yellow, and, and electric blue? And, man, he's a cold piece of work. So Wolverine, number one. Number two, Spider-Man. Because we need Spider-Man. There's something about being a teenage superhero that's just wildly dope. And then going to college, doing all that. Like, Spider-Man's number two on the Mount Rushmore. So now, Wolverine, Spider-Man, one and two Mount Rushmore comic book characters ever. Number three is my first and only DC character, Batman. The only problem with Batman is if someone wants to leave Batman off the Mount Rushmore, cool, I get it. He has no superpowers. Anyone could be Batman. So it's somewhat ridiculous. I understand the League of Shadows, the man trained, all this stuff. But the villains he is facing, some of them, have superpowers. How is this man defeating them? I get I could get him beating the Joker, the Penguin. But when it comes down to like Mr. Freeze, Bane, Super Strength, like, no, it's not believable. I sound like a WWE fan. But it's like, how are you going to have the little guy beat Brock Lesnar? It's not believable. Because it's not. He has no superpowers. And when you get into the Justice League stuff and you get people with real superpowers, he's doing nothing for you. Superman's like, yo, I can fly. Aquaman's like, I'm going to bring every animal out the ocean to help. Wonder Woman's like, I have this crazy lasso. Super strength and something else. I don't know what else Wonder Woman has. But she's like super fast too. The Flash, speed around. Batman's like, I'm going to get my car. One second. Like, I got a car and a grappling hook. So I can get three stories up very fast. Like, it, it makes no sense. So, but Batman and the whole, like, Bruce Wayne, Batman, billionaire playboy, I like that. I like, I like the billionaire playboy Batman more than I do, like, the dark and brooding Batman, which I feel like we're going to get in the next one. But Batman's still on here because I needed one DC person. He's, like, the best DC so Batman's three, and four, four is where it's tough, because my personal fourth, and I've, I've always been really huge on the Human Torch, Fantastic Four, but he's more of a character guy, right? Like, that's like saying, I don't, Jim the Anvil Nightheart is like <laughs> on the Mount Rushmore pro wrestling. Like, no, like, he, he wasn't the guy, so... Reed Richards, whatever, he's not worthy of this. So I was like, who can I put here? And I'll admit, it's because of the movies. It's because of now a legendary actor playing a legendary character, not because of the comics. Iron Man is number four for me. And Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. 
And it's one of those things where as cool of a character as he was in the comics, he wasn't, even Iron Man back then wasn't the guy in comics. Like he, he just wasn't. Robert Downey Jr. changed all of that. And now the perception of Iron Man is completely different because of what he did with the character. And I think for that, for starting this whole Marvel universe as we know it today, cinematic universe that is, and then all just Endgame, everything else, Iron Man is, is number four on my list. And that's how I, I had to close it out. That is my four. Pretty traditional. I, I could have went like off the map with it. Um, Rogue from like the X-Men cartoons was always super dope. They whacked her out in the movies because she can't fly. And I'm just like, this makes no sense to me. So hopefully they correct that. They have Miss Marvel now. They have all this stuff. Rogue can touch her, absorb the powers. She should theoretically be able to fly when they introduce the X-Men. We shall see. Hopefully they don't mess that up. Cole, you're on the spot next. Antoine, you're right after him. Get over on this side. I, I, think, um, I think we were sitting in here. I think you're copying our homework. Oh, you guys are in here along the same lines. So huh? yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put numbers to them. I'm, okay, because no, I saved that for for the human hot take out there. <laughs> Any four, but Wolverine for sure. Okay, has to be on that list. I think the the yellow is iconic. Yep, it's yeah. I mean, and he's just the ultimate badass. Have you ever met a Cyclops fan? No. I've never met someone who likes Cyclops. Like you know, they got the arcade game. I've never seen anyone pick Cyclops. No, Cyclops, yeah. He's also on the list of worst comic book characters ever. <laughs> but continue. Spider-Man. Okay. Absolutely has to be. It's just, that's, that's, I think you encapsulated it, right? It's like the, it's the traditional, like, it is like the, the superhero story. It's, it's like the high school kid dream. Like, yep. I'm going to, like, get infected by this spider, and then I, all of a sudden, I'm going to get the girl, and I'm also going to save the city. I'm just the man. Like the man lives in New York. And he's in New York. And yeah, exactly. Incredible. I think he checks literally all the boxes. Yep. Batman, and I think that the thing with Batman is the superpowers aside, I don't think that I don't think that's what qualifies necessarily like the superhero, right? Like it's the fact that like he's got the brains for the operation and his character arc fits into that mold. Okay. And I think because of the way his character is designed and developed. There's so many directions you can go with it. He has the he has the opposite problem of Superman, right? Where Superman, you have to be like, who's gonna beat Superman? Yep. Well, he's got tons of strength. He's got laser vision. He's got X-ray vision. He flies. Like you can't beat that. No. That's that's ridiculous. Also, shout out to I can't remember which YouTube video. There's a YouTube video where it's about the death and return of Superman. It's one of the greatest. Like YouTube videos. Oh, I got to check that out. I got to go find it at some point. So you just made Batman sound like Daniel Bryan. So I, I love bit, it. A little bit. A yeah, little bit. Yeah. Kinda, yeah. He kind of has a little yes movement going. Yes. Yes. For, I feel like this is always going to come down to personal preference. I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head on Iron Man. I mean, he literally has become like the head of the Avengers when in the comic books, I don't think that's the case. No, it was always Reed Richard, right? Like, yeah. Reed was doing, like, a lot of the heavy lifting with, like, the Fantastic Four and everyone else. And then the Avengers-wise, it was Cap. Yeah. So it was, like, one of those two. And I'm not that I dislike Captain America. It's just. Um, yeah. Well, I'm going to go with everyone's favorite. Uh, pro- probably needs to be drug tested for steroids re- uh, regularly because he grows large and he's green. But I'm going with the Incredible Hulk because 
I mean, he just hits the nerve of like, when you just get angry, you just want to smash shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, How cool is that? That's it. And the fact that he like he literally has the most like wrestling thing that he could, you won't like me when I'm angry. Yeah, it's one hell of a promo. Come on, <laughs> he's just like that's his card, and then all of a sudden it's just, you don't know when he's gonna pop off. So I don't know. That's personal preference. I just I just like that. I think I think the sheer amount of violence that comes with it. I don't think he's had good movies. I think Mark Ruffalo's done a good job with it. Yep. But he was never like. Now he's like, ooh, nerd Hulk, huh? And I'm like, oh, that's not. I mean, the Hulk just smashes shit. Has an underrated video game of the P- PS2 era. I will say that. Uh, and uh, that's that's where I'm. I think that's the where Hulk I'm going. Is a good pick. That's that's not bad. I'm gonna toss toss it over to Antoine on the ones and twos though. Yeah, Antoine. All right. So now you're. I, I feel like we're gonna get some overlap here in the top four, probably in the three. But I, I need to hear where you where you differ from us. All right, so I'm not too far off from you guys. I, I think you guys uh, were looking through my phone or something. <laughs> that stole from me. Uh, so, yeah, Spider-Man is my number one, hands down. Okay. You know, that's over everybody. Uh, number two for me definitely would have to be Wolverine. Uh, I'm going to have to go ahead and throw a wrench in here uh, for, my, for my third pick. I like it. Um, I'm going to have to go with, you know, not a traditional hero because he's kind of like a villain. So I'm going to go female here on this one. Uh, I'm going to go with the Phoenix. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think it's a character that right now, you know, has, has, has gotten, gotten enough respect and gotten enough limelight. And I think that uh, definitely, definitely is on, my, on my, top, my top list right now. Marvel will probably do much better by Jean Grey and Phoenix just because looking at what they did with WandaVision mm-hmm. and like just looking at Wanda and the character arc and how they started it, now the Scarlet Witch. It's, and how powerful the Scarlet Witch is now in Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's exactly what the Phoenix should have been to. Right. And that slow build and everything to X Men, and they really just couldn't nail it. So, yeah. no, you're 100% right. Like, Phoenix is what Wanda is to MCU now, but like 100 times more powerful and better and like dope. So, no, that's a, that's a good choice at three. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it sucks because the X Men definitely need that, need that love, you know what I mean? So. Um, but uh, my number four, my placeholder is definitely the Hulk. I, I definitely got to throw okay. the Hulk in there as my as my placeholder. So yeah, good. I listen. I like that you went with a tweener, <laughs> and and you know half Jean Grey, half Phoenix. You kind of just you know threw someone in there who could be babyface and heel. There you go. I'm shocked because I didn't even do that either. Because I said comic book heroes, but I guess villains like comic book characters like villains can count as well. Like it's hard. To then be like, it's hard to not give like this whole list to X Men, right? So like, Magneto though is one of the best villains ever. Uh, the Joker now, and you see the depth that the Joker has as different you know iterations come across the screen. It's just like, man, the Joker is an incredible villain. So there's so many villains now that could also be in Magneto. To me, is like God level. Like, I, I don't know if there's a villain better in comic book history than Magneto. And we'll then see, I'll give you one, and this guy could have been four on my list as well. We should see him soon in the MCU. Doctor Doom and Magneto are the two top. Like, villains to me, and I know DC has this great villains or whatever, but there's no one better than Doctor Doom and Magneto, in my opinion. So I can't wait to 
see Doctor Doom in the MCU because I'm losing it. Like him, Silver Surfer is a personal favorite of mine as well from the comics. He's not like worthy of this Mount Rushmore list, but he's another one that's like really dope. So that's to say, bring this full circle. DC better get off this year because all of these characters are coming into the MCU. DC is not going to have a shot because the roster is not deep enough. Like you said, like they, DC right now is impact wrestling. They, they got really good talented guys up top and some people are like, hmm, I forgot they were that good or cool. They got the new, like, oh, Flash is pretty dope right now. Like, okay. But when AEW, WWE wants to just stun on you, like, it, it is what it is. And you got nothing for it. So now they got to strike while the iron's hot because 2023, we probably get Blade from, from Marvel. We get Fantastic Four coming around that time. The new Ant-Man, I guess it's 2023. Um, to start that up, there's just so much that they have. And then you, you go into like sooner or later, mutants are coming and then X-Men are coming and you have the multiverse. So probably get Hugh Jackman coming back. Oh, 2023 is also Deadpool. So we definitely get mutants and like the X-Men connection. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. Two, two notes. Shout out to Professor X as played by one Sir Patrick Stewart. AKA Jean Luc Picard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the big Trekkie here in the control room. Are uh, you a Trekkie? Oh, huge. Massive. Star Trek over Star Wars? Uh, I mean, I like both. Okay. But I do prefer Star Trek over Star Wars. Yeah. Really? Yes. Wow. More, more just like, I mean, the, I mean, I mean, this, the, like the, I mean, the original trilogy of Star Wars is untouchable. But like, once you get past that, I think that I like the Star Trek stuff better. Okay. I like the Star Trek new ones, though. Yeah. The new ones are good. Yeah, they were yeah, really Yeah, no, no. Both, all three, very enjoyable movies. Yeah. I'm, I'm not that stingent of a Trekkie in which there are some that are just like completely swear off those movies. I don't agree. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with it. They're different, but I don't agree with that. Um, and also, uh, I'm going to fire off hot take here. Yes. Okay. Oh, I've been waiting, Cole. The Riddler is better than the Joker. No way. <laughs> yeah, that's, the Riddler is better than the Joker? The Riddler gets caught... Two episodes every time. Cartoons, um, movie, comic books. He lasts like two comics. And the reason I say that is because I believe that the iterations we've seen of the Joker have, I think they've been elevated by implementing the Riddler's madness into it. In which it's kind of, he's playing mind games with the Batman. That's now the Riddler, the Riddler does it in a much more kind of like, oh, riddle me this, Batman. You know, yeah. it's a very like corny way of doing it. But the Joker was also very corny until we saw all these new iterations. Like, I think like that's the, what makes the Heath Ledger version so good. Is I think he's kind of a he's kind of a combo of both. He's not yeah. just some crazy unhinged clown. Like there's a method to his madness. He's trying to think steps ahead. But and I think the Riddler's about that. Good though, like Arkham Asylum has an incredible Joker. Shout out to Mark Hamill. So <laughs> Mark Hamill, look, look at this. Oh, I didn't know Mark Hamill voice. He that, was, he's, he's, yeah, he's the voice of the animated Joker in like all the animated like TV series. Even the TV night. series. Yeah, 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 that's that's Mark Hamill. Um, but yeah, so it's just like the Joker's been good everywhere. Riddler. And this is shitty, but Jim Carrey, like, hurt the Riddler 
percent. Oh, I'm not saying his. <laughs> I'm not saying he's been portrayed correctly. Right. Yeah. I don't think he. I don't think the Riddler has had the time to shine. I think just the concept of the character is leads to a stronger. Yeah, villain. Kind of like I, I think like also like Scarecrow kind of fits that a little bit too. Yeah, Batman. It just comes down to Batman has some whack villains. He's got like outside of villains. like. The, the top four. So you give me like Penguin, Joker, Riddler. Catwoman to me is a tweener. She's not a villain. Um, that's, yeah, like, I mean, Bane was really helped by the movie. But Bane's not like a historically great villain. Batman's villains are, are just like that, where it's like they were very one-dimensional for a long time. And... They were not cheesy, but they were like you know, a little. It, it's weird to explain, like you said, but like with the Riddler, it was always like quirky, and it didn't have like the seriousness all the time of the Marvel villains. Like there's there's nothing quirky about Magneto. Like Doctor Doom isn't quirky. Like these guys are a real villains. They're bad people. You've seen Thanos, bad person. Like there's a. Oh, like Kang is about to take it to the next level. Like I love that portrayal at the end of what was oh, of Loki. Like that was incredible. So I can't wait to see what he does in Ant Man. Even in the comics, he was so good. Um, Galactus in the comics, crazy good. So Marvel's villains are just so much better. I th- and we'll see. We'll see how it plays out over this next year. But I'm excited. I'm excited to watch Spider Man to see where the MCU goes. No spoilers on this show because I haven't watched it. But I'm telling you people, come Sunday, the gloves are off. All the hot takes will be out. I can't wait. Hopefully you guys watch it this weekend as well. Thank you for allowing me to nerd out here. Um, Shout out to Antoine and Cole for jumping in, nerding out with me. Now we got to hit the break because we got to talk boxing. That's what we're here to do. So we're going to recap Lomachenko, talk about Conor Ben's crazy KO uh, overseas this past weekend as well. In a wise handling business, what's next for him? And then, of course, preview Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley, the whole card going down in Tampa, which I will be flying out to and covering live. So tons of boxing to talk about. Don't go anywhere. Be right back after this. Hey, everyone. It's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, we are back. Time to recap last weekend's boxing. Before we get to Lomachenko, which happened Saturday night at MSG, great card there. We got to talk about Conor Ben. You know, up, yuck. We got to talk about Conor Ben. Up and coming, young superstar in the welterweight division. Um, His dad was there. And just this lineage, he looks the part. He looks like a world champion boxer and you know just tatted up ripped shredded goes out there puts the beats to everybody 
this time facing Chris Algieri, which is the biggest name on his young resume. Sure, Chris Algieri isn't who he used to be. Chris Algieri now is more commentator than he is boxer. Like, you know, this is, this is a guy who I see at fights and he's, you know, calling the action. But I'm sure they laid a nice little paycheck down for him. And they were like, okay, go in there, take on this young kid. And, man, what Conor Ben did to Chris Algieri was just criminal. The punch, one, he caught him with, like, a short left hook early. And Chris Algieri did, like, a somersault, hold on to the ropes, look at the ref. And the ref was like, oh, it's a slip. Like, it's not a slip. He got hit with a little bit, just an ounce of Conor Ben's power. And his body didn't know what to do. It short-circuited. He started doing, like, ballet, gymnastic moves. His body had no clue what sport it was in anymore. And then the rest was like, okay, it's a slip. Let it go on. And Conor Ben hits him with the most not, like, not fancy, nothing special, the most basic of fundamental moves, the one-two. Feeds him the jab, follows with the right hand. Chris Algieri crumbles off of a one-two punch. And you're like, oh, man, Conor Ben is that dude. He's ad- as advertised. It's time to talk about him the same way we talk about Virgil Ortiz, the same way we talk about Boots Ennis. All of these guys at 147 pounds. You look at a guy like Josh Taylor, who's undisputed champion at 140 and really good. But you look at him, and he's going to move up shortly because he doesn't like making the weight, which I completely understandable. When he gets up to 147, he's looking to chase these belts if Errol moves up and vacates some or if, I mean, he can go after whoever he wants because he can demand to be mandatory at any one of these sanctioning bodies. He has all the belts at 140. And you're looking at it and you're just like, man, you're going to have trouble beating a lot of these other guys, coming in being the smaller guy because they are natural welterweights. A guy like Virgil Ortiz is pushing the next division up. Because he's growing so fast. So you look at Josh Taylor, you're like, man, you got a lot of young guns when you go up there. The, the young guns from 135 are about to move up to 140 and push him there. And then if he goes up to 147, there's a whole list of young guns up there waiting for him. There's, Josh Taylor's an amazing fighter. And you can never take away his accomplishment of being undisputed champion. He's stuck between a rock and a very young hard place. Because like these youngsters are are no joke at 147, and Conor Ben showed that. Weirdly enough, Conor Ben, you know, when you get this knockout and you want to go and get bigger and, and move your way up the rankings, he doesn't seem in as much of a rush as, like, Ennis is or Ortiz is to grab a title or force themselves as a mandatory or to fight um, Bud Crawford or Ugas or anything like that. He called out Adrian Broner. Now, mind you, Adrian Broner would do anything for a check. And Adrian Broner, and I say this all the time, he is the best B-side in all of boxing. Because at a certain point, if you're really good, you're in no threat of losing to him. He doesn't have the power to beat you. He'll talk up and build the fight outside of the ring. And you can pummel him to the point of, he, I don't think he's been stopped yet in his career. So if you are the person to be the first person to knock him spark out, it's still a pretty good thing on your resume. So it's a good call out. 
Adrian Broner wants to go back to 140, 135. He would love to be a champion at 140 again, he says. In, in fact, he said he's going to be a champion at 140, which I'm like, all right, cool. If he can get the weight down, if he can eat, if he can get focused, then yeah, cool. I, all right, Adrian, go ahead, go to 140. Again, all those young guns should be lining up to fight Adrian Broner. That'd be an amazing bounce-back fight for Teofimo Lopez. Hey, Teofimo, you're moving up to 140. Your body can't make 135 anymore. Cool. You're a star. You want to work yourself back into the pay-per-view mold. You want to get your fans back, all this stuff. Go out there and fight Adrian Broner. Put the beats on him at 140, and then, boom, you're right back in there. Same thing for Tank Davis. Tank, they say you're not fighting anyone. You're caliber. Okay, I'll fight Adrian Broner. Tank knocks out almost everyone, Isaac Cruz aside, and you would go, you know what? Broner's never been stopped. Broner versus Tank. There's the Mayweather connection, old Mayweather protege, new Mayweather protege. There's a lot there. Familiarity, Showtime, who Broner's fought under his whole career. There's a lot there. Tank would be great to fight him at 140. So it's, it's weird to think, but then year 2022, Adrian Boroner might be the most sought-after fight in boxing. Like, I would give, honestly, a better chance of one of the big four fighting Broner and one of the young four kings fighting Broner in 2022 than, like, Cambosis. Cambosis might give the fight to Loma and never fight one of these young guys again. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like Adrian Broner, and I understand Cambosis has the belts, that means a lot to Devin Haney, I think, and um, Haney should go after being undisputed. But I, I still don't – I don't know. I, I think Broner does more for a profile for a younger fighter. So I'm not mad at Conor Ben calling him out. He wants to be a star not only in the U.K. but in the U.S. He wants to test out his star power over here. He's fought over here twice, I believe. He wants to come back and show that he's the star. Broner doesn't have to cut as much weight. He'll sell tickets because Adrian Broner sells. It's not a bad position to be in if you're Conor Ben. That's a smart call out. I know a lot of people are like, why are you just chasing old washed up fighters? Because old washed up fighters have names still. So Canelo did the same when he was coming up. He fought Shane Mosley. It wasn't the same Shane Mosley, but he fought Shane Mosley. It's a pretty good name on your record. He fought uh, Angulo. It's a pretty decent name on your record. Like, you, you fight these guys who are washed up, but the name is good. Floyd was the king of that. Fight someone when they're out of their prime or before their prime. At the end of the day, when you retire, the name is the name, and you got to win over that name. So I don't mind Conor Ben's call out there. Then we get into the Lomachenko fight. Um, first, I can't, I'm going to talk more about this, I guess, in a second, but Donaire also fought on Saturday night. Fourth-round stoppage. 39 years old. The man found the fountain of youth. Um, O'Neal Donaire is incredible. Between Pacquiao fighting as long as he did into his 40s at a championship level and Donaire fighting now into his late 30s at a championship level, man, there's just incredible, incredible longevity um, from these stars out of the Philippines. Just take care of their body the right way, their dedication to the sport. We'd be remiss if we didn't, um, you know, just touch on that and shout out to them because, man, Donaire looks amazing. But we'll talk more about him in a second. Getting to the Lomachenko fight. I was in New York for it. Talked about that a little bit to open the last show. I was in New York. This is the fight that I went to. The first thing that hopped out, even before the Lomachenko fight, 
is it was Bob Arum's 90th birthday. One, if I ever get to 90, I hope I'm as active as Bob. Bob is at every fight still. He shows up the first fight of the night. He is there until the last fight of the night. He watches everyone sign to top rank. I, I don't know how he does it. At 90 years old, Bob is the man. I, I saw him when I was in Atlanta in October for Shakur Stevenson. It was like 12 at night, Friday, the day before the fight. I'm looking for somewhere still open to eat. It was 11. I'm looking for somewhere still open to eat. Bob is, is walking out of the hotel, walking down the block to the steakhouse that's still open, him and his wife. I'm like, yo, this guy's 89 at the time, about to be 90, walking. No Uber, no nothing. He's like, nah, I'm just hit the streets. I'm fine. No security. I'm like, you are top rank, my man. Are you walking in Atlanta, downtown Atlanta at 11 o'clock? So Bob is just a, a different level of, of old school. And his 90th birthday, Tyson Fury shows up, surprised, sings him happy birthday. Uh, people had mixed reactions to that. <laughs> people were like, what the hell is this? But Tyson Fury sings. That's what he does. But Bob's ability to help young talent is unmatched in the sport of boxing. Now, Bob Arum may not be the guy when you are 30, 31, pay-per-view superstar. Maybe he's not going to get you to Mayweather, Mayweather levels, but not too many people touch those levels. But for a guy who his first client is Muhammad Ali as a promoter, but then he goes through working with the original Four Kings, multiple different fights, putting those together, co-promoting those. Going into the 90s, the man gets De La Hoya as an Olympian. De La Hoya is a huge star because of how they paced him. Yes, he loses De La Hoya. Cool. Again, Floyd Mayweather is a star. Yes, Floyd ends up becoming Money Mayweather and leaving. But, okay, no problem. Manny Pacquiao is a star. Then you carry Manny all the way through the Floyd fight, and then Manny ends up leaving. All right, cool. What's next? Oh, we got Terrence Crawford. Oh, yeah, what's next? Okay, now we got Shakur Stevenson, who looks amazing. And then this card highlighted that Bob's 90, 15 years, will be celebrating Bob's 105th birthday. Bob will be ringside, and he'll have the next generation of stars. Because you look at this card, Jared Anderson was in the co-main event. Heavyweight, 23 years old. Looks incredible. Incredible. Outside of it just came out with the Pimp C mink and hat on and everything. Shout out Pimp C. People were upset on ringside that I made like a collab video with the Kramer pimp coat instead of Pimp C. Yo, I know where it was from. It's very hard to put a guy named Pimp C on a Disney product. So I went Cosmo Kramer. Everyone on my back, chill out. There's a method to the madness. But get you, I understand where it was from. Shout out to, to big baby Jared Anderson on that one. But even in the ring, for the first time in his career, he came out southpaw. He was like, I was just working on it. We worked on it in camp. I want to test it out. And now he's fighting legit. He's not fighting cab drivers. He's fighting heavyweights with decent records, above cab drivers. And he's like, ah, I'm young. I'm trying it out. Came out, mollywopped his opponent in southpaw. And it's just like, yo, he, he's working on these things where he's not content. He's going to be a, a switch-fighting, athletic, big. He dropped a ton of, of the baby fat, quote-unquote, uh, no pun intended, uh, for big baby. But he dropped a ton of it, looking lean, 
He's cut, got the six-pack now as a heavyweight. 23 years old. This guy's the future of the heavyweight division. Then you go down the list again. Keyshawn Davis making his top-ranked promotional debut. Olympic silver medalist. He looks like, again, Shakur Stevenson won silver, Floyd won silver. This, these things happen when you get to the Olympic level. The points fighting is different. But as a pro, Keyshawn looks like he's going to be the real deal at 135 for years to come. And then when he moves up to 140, he'll do the same. His skill level looks off the charts. So that's fun. Saw his promotional debut. Oh, by the way, he knocked the guy out. Easy peasy as well. You go down the card further. Xander Zayas is on the card. 19. Youngest fighter ever signed a top rank. Top rank history. He signed when he was 16 years old. He's going to be prospect of the year this year at 19 years old. He had six fights. 6-0, four knockouts. Knocked this guy out first round. People are like, who is he fighting? He's 19 years old. He's fighting grown men and professionals. That's all you think you got to know. He's fighting grown men at 19, and he's been doing so since he was 17. That's not normal. He's growing into his body. doesn't even have his grown man strength. Nowhere near that yet. And he's not fighting once every year, twice every year. No, he's fought six times this year. Doesn't look to slow down next year. Impressive. So you look on how they're building him to be a future star. All, all up and down the card, you look and you say, man, top rank has another tw 15 years of star power on that roster right now. It, it's crazy. There was no slowing down. So, I mean, that card really jumped out at you. Of course, the Madison Square Garden crowd was great. Everyone showed out. And then for the main event, Lomachenko versus Richard Comey. Lomachenko looked like 2015 Lomachenko, 2016 Lomachenko. He looked dominant against Richard Comey. Now, again, it wasn't the highly real knockout that we saw Teofimo just flatten Richard Comey in, in two rounds when they fought two years ago on this same night in MSG. But the way Lomachenko did it was also beautiful. At one point, knocks down Comey, looks over Comey's legs. It looks like they're completely gone. And Lomachenko's yelling at Comey's corner, like, are you going to throw in the towel? You want to stop this? Okay, you want me to beat up on him more? All right, say less. Goes in there, goes back to picking him apart. Shout out to Comey, who's tough as nails. Ends up lasting, getting through the fight. There's no way to win that fight anymore. Lomachenko was too good. The movement is back. The angles are back. The way he's able to spin opponents offensively. He's the guy we talked about for years on this show. That's top three offensive prowess ever. You look at the Ray Robinsons. You, you look at Ray Leonard. You look at a guy like Roy Jones. Lomachenko is that level offensively. He is the matrix for a reason. He does things that you shouldn't be able to do in a boxing ring. And we saw all of that on Saturday night. And honestly, if we, if we look back, we saw all, pretty much all the lightweights the past four weeks, right? All the top lightweights outside of Ryan Garcia who was injured. And when you're George Cambosis and you're looking and scouting, as he would say, you look at these performances, Loma was the most impressive. Loma will travel to Australia. 
because Todd Brank and Bob Arum allowed Pacquiao to go over there for Joe Horn. They, they understand that setup. DeZone would also travel if you want Devin Haney. But now you're looking at Devin Haney, who has a WBC belt. But technically, you already have a WBC belt. Yeah, it's the franchise, but who cares? They recognize you. They say you're undisputed. Do you really need Devin Haney right now? Lomachenko's the biggest star. Better name on the resume. Technically, you've seen him lose already to a guy you beat. So heading into it, you're probably thinking, well, I could beat Lomachenko too. If I do kind of what Lomachenko, uh, what Teofimo did, maybe a little better, put the pressure on him, take the fight to him, well, I could probably beat him. So if you're looking at this as George Cambosis, you're like, man, I, I think Loma did enough on Saturday to jump everyone else, Tank Davis included, mostly because Tank broke his hand. So now, or just a couple knuckles, I believe, in that fight. So now he has to go just rehab a little bit, get healthy. He's a pay-per-view star, so that would be good, but I don't know how pay-per-view works with Australia and different time zones or whatnot. So you look at Loma, you'd be like, cool, if they pay me enough, I'll fight Loma. He'll put it on ESPN. Fight will probably air, what, like 11 or 12? They've done it for UFC cards before. Yeah, I think I can do this. I think Lomachenko, if you're George Kambosis, just jumped into the number one spot. And I was the guy that said, no, he's going to fight Gervonta. And then everyone else said, oh, he's going to fight Devin Haney. I think Lomachenko might have taken that spot. And Lomachenko's in a position now, one, where I believe this one was for the IBF mandatory belt. So it's like if the IBF moves quick enough, they can establish Loma as the mandatory, and then it kind of clears up the whole situation because Cambosis will have to fight him anyway. But I, I think Loma's in that number one spot again to go get all his belts. And Devin Haney might be the odd man out again, looking from the outside. So it's, man, it's 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 going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how the lightweights play out now that they all fought. Um, on Tuesday morning, we had Inouye fighting from Japan, where he is from, top three pound for pound guy in the world, bantamweight, 118 pounds, unified champion there. This was the stay busy fight. This was. I don't want to take too much time outside of the ring. I don't want to leave my home country of Japan. I want to fight in front of Japanese fans. And plus, with COVID regulations, blah, 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 it's hard to bring in opponents. So, yes, he didn't fight the, the best of opponents. He didn't have to. He looked great. And now, we touched on Donaire, who has the WBC bantamweight title. Now you set up a really big fight, a rematch of their fight of the year in 2019, which went down for the Super Series, that Donaire looked amazing, but Inouye pulled it out in the end. But that was Inouye's toughest fight of his career. Oh, now you can run that back. Probably on pay-per-view. Might be ESPN Plus pay-per-view. Probably on pay-per-view. Here in the United States, get that money. And if Inouye could beat him this time, now he gets a third title. And Casemiro, I believe, is the other champion. And you're just waiting on him. So we're inching closer to a bantamweight undisputed champion. And this was a matter of, okay, 
I want Donaire. He's fighting on this weekend. Let me just fight closer to him. Doesn't matter who I fight. Let me just stay as sharp as him. No ring rust. I'm not going to let him get a leg up on me. I'm going to fight on the same weekend just to get some rounds in. Cool. Handle my business, and then we can meet in the spring. So I think that's what NY did, and it's going to be, man, there's so many unification fights, undisputed fight coming up at 154. We have all the boxing is finally trending in the right direction where they're trying to get to one champion in every division or at least two champions in every division. And then when you get to two, they're allowing them to fight. Same thing like we see a heavyweight. Tyson Fury's clearing out his mandatory in Dillian White, if he can handle business there. And then the winner of AJ versus Usyk, no more rematch clause there. So the winner of that next fight and Tyson Fury are freed up to go at it next summer, next fall. And we can have the first undisputed heavyweight champion since the early 90s. It's going to be exciting. So boxing is definitely trending in the right direction. Tons of matchups. Then there's Sunday's fight, which to me is still trending in the right direction. Boxing at the highest level is incredible. One of the best things in sports. You, you can't match that one-on-one Technician versus technician, greatest versus greatest feeling. Can't. Wilder Fury was incredible because of that. Arguably, we saw the two best heavyweights in the world go at it three times. All fights vastly different. Now, the other tail end of boxing is when you have someone who's not so good versus someone who's not so good, also wildly entertaining. And then now we're going to have Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley too which just sprang up due to unforeseen circumstances like a week ago. I'm going to tell you why I'm also excited about this fight as much as I am about the other fights that are happening in the world of boxing. I'll break that down to you right after the break when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Right back after this. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. All right, everyone, it is the final, final segment for today, but plenty to talk about. Honestly, it's the big fight of the weekend, Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. Before, though, we get into that, producer Cole gave me a good question because we were thinking about the old man who is not here today, but after all of these lightweight fights, the old man has asked the same question every time. Okay, now how do you rank the lightweights after these performances? Now that we've seen all of the lightweight performances, we can rank them. I didn't answer his stupid poll. It's not stupid. But I didn't answer his poll before then. Because I'm like, let me see everybody. I don't want to change this week to week. Now, I can give an honest answer. So if I had to rank them today, I would have to go Lomachenko 1. And I'm keeping Teofimo in these rankings for right now. Lomachenko 1, Teofimo 2, Devin Haney 3. 
Tank four, Cambosis five, Garcia six. And yes, I know Cambosis has all of these titles. He's at five because I thought he fought a Teofimo Lopez who wasn't the same Teofimo Lopez who fought Lomachenko, the same one who fought Comey. There was a lot of stuff going in, you know, and that's no fault of George Cambosis. He did what he had to do on that giving day. You, you fight who shows up. And Cambosis fought his best fight. But I still don't think he's better than Teofimo Lopez. If they fight nine times out of ten, Teofimo wins, in my opinion. But they don't have to fight nine times out of ten. Cambosis did what he was supposed to do. And it's earned him a spot on this list. So that is great, and he can go out there and beat someone next, and he'll climb, and I just got to see more than beating a Teofimo Lopez who, and it's not an excuse, but had a, a, a hole in his esophagus. There's a hole in his throat. Man could barely breathe. The stamina wasn't there. It wasn't the same. It, it was just, it was a different Teofimo Lopez. A lot going on personal life, all the stuff, like before the Nakatani fight. That wasn't the greatest Teofimo performance. He had a ton going on in his life, family stuff, blah, blah, blah. He didn't perform well. This was up that alley again. And even then, I scored that fight for Teofimo Lopez. I thought it was, well, I scored it a draw, 6-6. But if I reacted like many of the, the judges and called the first round a 10-9 round instead of 10-8, then Teofimo has the knockdown in the 10th. That skews everything. And Teofimo probably wins that because of the knockdown. And that splits the draw for me. So, yes, Lomachenko, Teofimo, Devin Haney, Tank Davis. Just because Tank's level competition isn't the same as everyone else's. Then George Cambosis, even though he has the most belts. I understand that. And then Ryan Garcia, who's inactive underneath. And then we'll get into the Keyshawn Davises, who just made his debut. And, but, again, that guy can beat a lot of people in that division. It's going to be very interesting, a lightweight division. I love it. Love to see it. Love how that's shaking out. Amazing question by producer Cole Bebe in the, in the booth. And shout out to the old man. So now I answer. That's my ranking. I'll put that, put that on Twitter just so people could know, like, listen, this is how the lightweight rankings um, shake down now. But now it's time to jump into the, the fight of the weekend. Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. The card's not bad. It isn't. And it's... I'm trying to be very complimentary because I'm covering this. Um, it has something for everyone. And YouTube fights are... are interesting. But I don't think we could call Jake Paul a YouTube boxer anymore. At this point, Jake Paul's just a boxer. So, it's a boxer against a former MMA champion. We've seen this before. And if you guys don't know, Jake Paul is supposed to fight Tommy Fury, Tyson Fury's younger half-brother. Tommy says he broke a rib, had to pull out, and here we are. Jake Paul didn't want to pull out from the card. Let's be real, he's the moneymaker. It's a pay-per-view fight. He has to stay on there if he's healthy, and he is. So, Tyron Woodley got the stupid tattoo on his middle finger. He set everything up going forward. He's kept in shape. He continued to train. He got the call. They dropped a bag of money on him. They're like, let's get it. Oh, and plus there's a $500,000 knockout bonus. 
for anyone who thinks there's like, oh, no, no knockout clause when you fight Jake Paul. No, you're incentivized. 500000 extra if you can't knock him out. My problem here is, is I don't think it's going to happen because I think nothing has changed for the better for Tyron Woodley from that first fight to this fight. Jake Paul, and this sounds wild to say, Jake Paul is a better boxer than Tyron Woodley. Not a better fighter. If they got into a street fight or mixed martial arts contest, Tyron Woodley would win. Jake Paul is a better boxer than Tyron Woodley. And I think Jake Paul has gotten better since August. Tyron's got a little bit better as a boxer too, I'm sure. But I, I think Jake Paul wasn't just shadow boxing in a triangular ring last week. He wasn't doing this triller hybrid thing. Nothing. Jake Paul was in the gym. He was in Puerto Rico. He was training. He had a full camp. Granted, not for Tyron, but he's already done that. He game plan for Tyron. But he had a full camp. His body is ready to fight. Tyron Woodley was doing nothing a week ago. He didn't have a camp. He was in the gym. No sparring partners. No, not like he wasn't doing anything to prepare for a rematch. So here we are. And it's, I, I don't see him getting better or getting good enough in that time without a set date and knowing he's preparing for the rematch to really threaten Jake Paul in any way. Now, I don't think Jake Paul is going to knock, knock out Tyron Woodley at all. I think it's going to go similar to the first fight, just a wider margin. I think Jake Paul is just going to have better technique than he even had in the last fight. Better jabs, outpoint him, maybe better cardio. And I, I think it's going to be, what, six, six rounds to two, Jake Paul? And credit to Jake Paul for staying on this fight and keeping the card alive because co-main Amanda Serrano is on there versus Miriam Gutierrez. And Amanda Serrano is a legit boxer. She is, I believe, ranked third, third on my pound-for-pound pound list right now, women's boxing pound-for-pound pound list. And if she wins this fight on Saturday... She's, nothing stands in her way. It's pretty much locked up and guaranteed that she will be getting the Katie Taylor fight in March, I believe, in New York for the undisputed titles at 135 pounds. And people have been wanting to see that fight for like three years now. And they're finally in a position to make that happen. So it's, this is the fight that, I, honestly, is the biggest fight in Amanda Serrano's career right now up to this point, because it leads to the biggest fight of her career. And Jake Paul's paying her a lot of money. So now she's a millionaire as a female boxer and about to go for all the bells at 135 if she can just get over this hump. Gutierrez is good, though. Her only loss to Katie Taylor. So this is when I was like, okay, you beat her, then you're on my level. As a 135-pounder. As a lightweight. So it's going to be fun. That's going to be an incredible fight. Now, Serrano gets in and stops her like she has some of her other opponents. Now, now we're looking at this because Katie Taylor wasn't able to stop her because that was actually kind of a close fight. So now that's going to be real intriguing. We have Frank Gore versus Deron Williams on the card. Man, shout out to the U. I like Frank as a person. But this is boxing. You can't make up. Like Frank is legit 5'9". 5'9", running back build, probably like 2'10", 
Yeah, you can only punch upwards so much. It takes a really skilled, almost lifelong boxer to figure out how to close the distance, how to get in close, how to land punches on someone that much bigger than you. And we, we look at, at this point, they're both novices, right? So they're on like the same level. It's hard to prepare and to train for that. It's like when we have two boxers who are really skilled at the same level, sometimes size is the determining factor. Like I think Usyk's an amazing heavyweight champion. I think if he has to fight Tyson Fury, who's also an amazing heavyweight champion, Usyk's going to run into trouble because sooner or later, you can't make up six foot three versus six foot nine. And the reach and everything, if, if you guys do everything the same, the size is going to be the difference. And that's what I'm looking at here. Deron Williams may not be a world beater, but Deron Williams is six foot four. And it's just like, how is Frank Gore going to do that? <laughs> like, I, I don't see a route for him to win this fight. Looks good on paper. I, I, don't, I don't see him winning. And then, I don't know, man. Showtime, Showtime's weird because for a second, Showtime was criticizing what Triller was doing with all of these. But now they understand, like, when you have a Jake Paul fight, you just can't have a full normal card. You have some normal fights, but you also have to have more spectacle even than just Jake Paul. They had Ocho, who looked pretty good in the ring. And that was fun and funny, and now they got to do it again. But, like, for every Jake Paul fight, you have to bring in some obscurity into the ring. So this is what they understand there. And then um, it looks like Jaleon Love is coming back on the undercard as well. Um, I, I don't know, one in, like, Nate Diaz's guys, who's half boxer, half MMA, is on the card too, I think. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, it's, it's going to be an interesting night of fights. Definitely for the casuals. I just hope Jake Paul still brings out Hezbollah, even though Tommy Fury's no longer fighting. Uh, I, need, I need Hezbollah just walking around on Jake Paul's shoulders like, uh, like Habib did in the, <laughs> in the octagon. So it's it's going to be an interesting, interesting night of fights. But when people act like they don't tune in, it's like, come on, you lying. You might not pay, right? You, everyone might not pay for the pay-per-view, which is fine. Because Jake Paul has a very loyal and large following of teenagers, young adults, 28 and under, who will pay. Who have been conditioned to pay. They buy, I don't know, Minecraft upgrades. They buy all these, what, these, well, downloadable content things, skins in Fortnite, they, they go on Twitch and they just donate to people because they watch them and they're like, oh, I like that. Like, and I want to support you in the community and they donate like five bucks or all this stuff. Um, these kids play Roblox, which takes a stupid amount of money. There's no game outside of Roblox. Like, Roblox is the game, and I guess you go inside and you download, like, little mini games or something, and you can do, like, all this other stuff. And they're like, my kids got me with that. Like, Dad, it's free. Like, it ain't free. You got to pay for everything in there. So my daughter spent, like, an insane amount of money in Roblox, probably more than I spent on video games this whole year. Like, an embarrassing amount of money. Um, it's her money, though. Listen, you do whatever you got to do with your money. You spend it however you want. Don't ask me for nothing. You spent it on Roblox. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like these kids, this generation is programmed to pay. We're still in the, we get cl 
cloudy and I'm going to age myself and sound old. But 30 and up, we're still in the, the Napster, LimeWire mentality. Like, we, we're still, like, in the, oh, we need a, who got the link? Or what's the, who has the fire stick? Or what, people are, we're, we're the bootlegging generation. We want to steal everything. We want to download stuff. These young kids don't care about that. They're not in the bootlegging generation. They give their money to watch other people do very mundane and everyday tasks. They're used to spending money for just on the simple fact that they like somebody. They buy a ton of merch. My daughter has like 18 Billie Eilish t-shirts. That's just their generation, and that's the people who follow him. So his pay-per-view sales will be fine. His money will be fine. The people who are supposed to buy his fight are fine. But if you don't buy it, don't act like you're not tuning in. Because everyone will be watching this Jake Paul fight, whether you pay or not. He's captivating. If we judge this purely, not off pay-per-view sales or anything, just star power in boxing and drawing power in boxing, Jake Paul is top three in the world as a boxer, no longer just a YouTuber. He's on Showtime. He has normal contracts. He fights eight-round fights. He's not a YouTube boxer. He's not doing a four-round exhibition. He's a boxer. And he's the top three drawing boxer in the world. And we got to treat it that way. And everyone's going to watch. So it's going to be interesting. Um, best case scenario for like social content for me is like Jake Paul getting knocked out. Um, a Tyron Woodley trilogy after Jake Paul knockout would do huge numbers. But I don't foresee it. I think Jake Paul wins, like I said earlier. And then we probably get the Tommy Fury fight again when Tommy Fury is healthy. Probably in March. Um, Maybe, I mean, I'll go back, probably Miami. Go back to Florida in March. Why not? March, April, and we get this all over again. I don't see, Jake Paul, his matchmaking has been really good too. I don't see him losing for like another year, year and a half. And I don't necessarily see him having to fight a real boxer between them. He'll probably fight Tommy Fury, and then by then Nate Diaz will probably have his last fight in the UFC on that UFC contract. Then he'll probably fight... Jake Paul, so Jake Paul and Nate Diaz, which, I mean, you can't stock and slap someone in gloves, but Nate has been in camps and everything with real boxers before, Andre Ward, all this stuff. So that'll be an intriguing matchup. But still, the size difference is crazy, so maybe Jake Paul gets through that. Um, yeah, and then there's, there's just more and more options as you go down. Connor has two fights left on his deal. Like if Connor loses twice, or even if he goes one and one, what stops Connor from being like, uh, I'm not going to sign with the UFC right now. I'm going to go fight Jake Paul first and then come back to UFC. Like, I, I could see that fight happening. Jake Paul has a lot more money in his future, a lot more fights in his future. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out um, as he goes down the list, how it plays out this weekend. If for any reason Jake Paul is able to knock out Tyron Woodley, that'll be something. I have a question for you, Kel. Yes, sir. So does the Jake Paul spectacle survive a Jake Paul loss and or knockout? Does he still maintain the draw that he is if he loses, or is he just riding this magic carpet until it falls off? He can lose. He, he has a good trilogy in him before, before the wave stops. So one loss isn't going to hurt him. A loss this weekend to Tyron Woodley wouldn't hurt him because he already has a win against Tyron Woodley. So now you just run it back, and the trilogy's there. Losing the first fight 
of a trilogy hurts sometimes, but I'm sure the guy has a rematch clause against anyone he, he fights. So let's say Tommy Fury is better than a lot of people think and gets healthy and knocks him out. Then it's like, okay, there's a rematch clause. What, you want to make money? Go to the UK with it. Tommy Fury's like, all right, you got to come home. Do we really think Jake Paul can't beat Tommy Fury? Like, so if he wins there, you probably get a trilogy fight. And then you go on and keep working your way down the list. Losing to Conor McGregor. That's not going to hurt you. Like, cool, Conor won. You could talk yourself into a rematch there. Try to make that a trilogy. So, yeah, I don't think one loss hurts him. Two losses and it's over. You only got one. You can't lose twice. And then the mystique is gone. He's too big of a name to be a co-main event. He's almost too big a name to take a step backwards in competition at this point. So, yeah, no, I, I think one loss, and he'll be all right. I don't think that loss happens this week. So, um, probably next year this time we'll be talking about, okay, how does Jake bounce back from a loss? But that's because he could lose to Nate Diaz. He could lose to Conor McGregor. He could try to fight someone like Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who lost to Anderson Silva. And, but that's a name where you're like, yo, he's really as washed up as he looked. And Silver put it on him. And you'd be like, yo, I beat a real boxer. I beat a guy who's been a champion. Like a real champion in the sport of boxing. And he has a name. And he has a following. That's a name I could look on the resume. And if he loses that guy, you lost to a real boxer. So, um, yeah, one loss, one loss doesn't hurt him. I think he can bounce back. Well, we'll see how this all plays out this weekend, though. Cole, before we get out of here, join me one more time on the mic. I forgot to ask you earlier, how, are you, how do you rank the lightweights right now? Oh, that's a great question. Yes, yes, I gave my rankings and then got into this. So I was like, you know what? And, and, and let me preface it by, you know, I have a pretty fresh perspective on this, I think, you know, and this is great. This is, uh, you know, one of our final shows we'll do in studio for the year. Yep. Uh, you know, obviously in these three months, I, I've, I've gotten to kind of get back into combat sports uh, all, with you guys being in here in the studio. And I'm very grateful for that. And it's been a whole lot of fun. And I forgot how much I enjoyed boxing. So seeing this whole, all these, all these fighters, all, they all fought. Yep. So that is a, <clears throat> I think based on eye test alone, not necessarily based on it, who has the belt. I think Lomachenko looked like he was just on a different planet. I think 100% agree. He was he was ridiculous. Uh, I think after that, after that it gets tricky, right? I mean, I think it's interesting how much stock to put into Tank Davis's hand and how hurt he was. Okay. I think. I think. I put him over Haney. I put Tank over Haney 2-3. Um, I think I, I put I put Tio on the outside because it seems like Tio's done at the light at that division. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. I think I think I, he's done at that weight. Yeah. So. And 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 I mean I don't I don't think you can I don't think you can put uh you can't put Tio over Cambo he can't he lost Cambosis. whether he was supposed to or not, whether who's the better fighter or not. Cambosis went in there and had the fight of his life, and that's no discredit to George Cambosis. I mean, he still had to fight so well in order to win that. But I think 
I'm put I'm giving the edge to Tank over Haney cuz what I saw from Haney in his fight I think from a technical standpoint he seems really smooth but I worry what happens when he actually gets hit It's like three straight fights now where he the gets, jaw He gets buzzed. He does. He gets buzzed and like you can see it in his face and and he and I think the tricky part with him is he tries to kind of talk the talk a little bit and go like I have a chin I don't have pillow fists. Well, you're not knocking anybody out. And when you're getting hit, see the little feet a little bit, yep. a little bit like that. And he doesn't shake it off quickly at no. all. No. Like he'll stay buzzed for like a round and a half. Visibly, yep. yeah. And where, whereas I feel like Tank was able to kind of manage that better. And, and, and I don't think anyone could question Tank's power. Yeah. And I think Ryan Garcia is the same way. We've seen Ryan get hit, get up, shake it right off. And then stop the guy. So, and that and that is the case. I mean, my 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 viewing experience. I put Ryan Garcia off to the side because, again, okay. I I need to see him do a fight complete. I've seen obviously his incredible power yeah. and how viral that's gone. But let's see what he looks like in a fight. I hope he gets to fight somebody like a like uh, whoever whoever Cambosis decides to fight. I hope Ryan takes on one of the other guys. It looks like Ryan is more in line to fight Isaac Cruz. Because Cruz gave a great performance against Tank. And I think um, Cruz is looking to say, you know what? I think I could beat Ryan with the same game plan I had for Tank. And then Ryan's looking at this and saying, I think I could stop Cruz. And then, oh, I have a, a heads up on Tank. Because Tank couldn't. So Ryan's now looking. He does need that like uh, bounce back fight. So, no, it's interesting, man. A lot of good stuff coming up in boxing. Fortunately, that's our show for today. Um, it, it's been great, though. We are able to go through everything with boxing. We nerded out, talk Marvel, all the upcoming movies. Shout out to producer Cole Bebe, as always, in the booth. Antoine holding it down, chiming in and helping me out as we got through this show. But you know what's next. You can follow us on social media, at cornerpodcast underscore on Twitter at Corner Club for a Life on Instagram. Follow me at Kel Dansby, the old man, at Andreas Hale on all platforms there. Follow Cole at Cole Train, C-O-A-L-E on Twitter. Make sure uh, you guys show Cole some love there. Thank you to everyone at Blue Wire Studios. Thank you everyone here at the Wynn Resort in Las Vegas. Shout out to Blue Wire, the network, for holding it down as always. Be safe during your holiday season. Enjoy it. Spend it with fam. Spend it listening to us because we're going to have our full awards, starting with the Pro Wrestling Awards um, that Cole will be joining us for this year um, as soon as I send him this rundown for the show so he can prepare for it, uh, which I promise I'm going to get you that, Cole, very shortly. But we'll have our Pro Wrestling Awards, as we always do, and then our Boxing Awards, and then our MMA Awards to wrap up the year. So those will be the last three shows of 2021. We appreciate all of you. Until next time, though, we're out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.